0: Come on, let's clap for Jesus this morning. So good to have you this morning here at Family Reunion. Every Sunday we get together as a family and join together and just enjoy each other. Uh, I just want to thank you because you're powerful. And uh, you are powerful people. Thank you for loving people. And uh, we're super excited about the kingdom of God. Um, I got a phone call uh, Thursday, uh, Friday morning early. And um, I, I'll let's I'll I'll have a little transparency. I was laying in bed and talking to my wife and having a little pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party? A little selfish moment where I was whining about my life and, you know, had a little pity party talking to my bride. And I picked up the phone, and my best friend of many, many years, Jeff Ramsey, had had a cardiac arrest, and it was in the hospital. They were calling me. And um, so I thought just in the moment as I was doing that, Lord, don't let me get selfish. And look at the little things in my life and make them bigger than they are. Is anybody here today? That I get so caught up in my little little bitty pebble in the water when somebody's really got a big wake and and, and I just forget about really how g- good you are to me. Has God been good to anybody this week? Come on, why don't we act like God's been good? Come on, he's been really good. He's been good. He's been good. And so I spent the last uh, couple days in, in Shreveport with my friend, and, and I want to give a great praise report that he has no blockage in his heart and that uh, he he's only, his heart's only working 30% because of a blood clot, but that they're going to treat that with blood thinners and, and he's going to be okay. I want to talk to you about that some more. Um, and so We have a cardiologist in the room, and I need a little information here. And so, uh, but we we're excited that God's doing something good for him, and and he's going to but continue to pray for him. It's been a tough season for this family, and it's been a two years of of, of sickness and lots of situations. We prayed over their little grandson here a few times at church. He's been in, born in January. He's been only been out of the hospital about probably two months at best over a broken period of time. And uh, they've just had, a, had an incredible uh, two years of just one thing after another. But let's remember the Ramsey family in prayer and that God's going to bring him out of that and he's going to be healed and completely made whole. How many believe that? How many believe we serve a miracle working God? And that he is good and he's in a good mood. Come on. And he loves us with what? Come on, as many times as I say this, with crazy love. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he loves you like crazy. He loves you like crazy. Somebody tell Debbie more of that. He loves you like crazy. He loves you like crazy. She, he, she looked to the left and the right and nobody was looking at her. So I just want to make sure she knew that Jesus loves you like crazy, girl. Today we're going to be talking about covenant relationships. I, I, I started this message. I did not get to finish it week before last uh, if you missed last Sunday, though, uh, Carter speaking on the word, it was fantastic, and uh, you need to hear that word, it was a great word, and, uh, but I, I'm picking up, kind of skipped a beep because I was getting dental work done, didn't know if I was going to be able to preach last week, but, but um, I, I'm excited about finish wrapping this up today, I know last son, the last time I preached, I preached about an hour and ten minutes, I'm going to be shorter than that today. I'm going to be shorter than that. I don't know how much, but I'm going to be shorter than an hour and nine minutes. So here we go. All right. Covenant relationships. How many believe that we're in covenant relationship? Amen. And that we're a family. This family, this, this house is a family. And uh, there's going to be times in our life that you, you may not believe it today because life might be good for you today. But there's going to be times in your life that you're going to need family a covenant relationship people that will come alongside you and walk with you through very dark times you know uh it's been said many times before if you're not in a storm you've coming out of a storm or you're going into a storm you're going to have storms in your life you're going to have situations in your life and we and god created us to be together not to be apart he created us for relationships. He created us for, for family. And and he, uh, and he loves to see his family doing what family does. That's not bothering me at all. Let him squeal. No bother. We're family. Just let him squeal. He ain't going to hurt me. I love to hear those babies. We're going to have some more of them in this house. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, we grow into church one baby at a time. Well, Emily and Ricky, two at a time. But the rest of us, one at a time. <laughs> And so, so we love family. We love, love, love what God does in our house and, and how we can stick together and love together and build together. And covenant relationships are built on the foundation of God, with God at the center of everything in it. God's got to be the center focus of a covenant relationship. I tell people in marriage, you're not making just a covenant relationship with one another, but you're really your covenants with God that makes the two of you become one. The two of you become one. When you make a covenant relationship, it's three people inside that covenant. It's God and, y'all and the two of you, and, and that's what makes it so powerful. And then there's covenant relationship in our family. When we have children, we're in covenant relationship with them. Uh, just because you brought a baby into the world doesn't make you a mother or a father. There's a lot of babies that are brought into the world that don't have mothers and fathers. But when you have covenant relationship, you're going to stick with those kids through a lifetime. And let me tell you something, in covenant relationships, sometimes they're going to make you scratch your head. Can I get a better amen? I mean, if you've got kids, you're sometimes thinking, oh, Lord, you know, what, what do I do? But you're in covenant relationship, and so you're going to stick with them no matter what. No matter what goes on, you know, we were, we were talking last night about college. And, and uh, Heather is about to wrap up in December, and then she's going to go and get some more school. And I said, Lord, that's going to cost a lot of money. I said, we could just disown you, and you could get a lot more money from the federal government. We were just joking, though. We were just joking. We were just joking. And I said, no, baby, you. I wouldn't disown you for no amount of money in the world. Why? I'm in covenant relationship with you. This is not just say I got a kid. This is saying I got a relationship that's going to see them through their lifetime, and my dad, I got to spend a little time with my dad on the couch this, the last couple of days because I was in Shreveport, and I love the relationship that I have with my father. Even in his, in his age and where he's at in life, to know that he is there, he's a rock for me, he's always been a rock for me, it's covenant. Everybody say covenant with me, and it matters. And then we come into our, uh, the church. Listen, the church are to be covenant relationship. We ought to, to be careful how we, how we see the people around us. We ought to be careful how we view that. We're in relationship with each other. We need each other. April Foster, I need you in my life. Even though sometimes we drive each other crazy right because we have such a, a, a personalities but I'm gonna tell you what our iron sharpeneth iron I need people in my life I need people that will speak to me truthfully I need people that will love me honestly I need people in my life you need people in your life and we're in this covenant relationship as a community of believers and we're a family that has been brought together by one heavenly father We got the same daddy. Come on, somebody. Anybody in the house today? We got the same daddy. We got the same daddy, and he loves us with this crazy kind of love. And we're bound together. Many, many, many pieces of the body, many different things in the body. We're all, we all have different attributes and skills and personalities, and, and, and we come from different backgrounds to some degree. But listen, we're one body with many members. Can I get a better amen? And a covenant relationship will grow you. It will grow you. And the only way you will grow to reach your, uh, your full capacity is to be in a covenant relationship where there's trust, Where you can trust people and you can be trusted. And there's two things that come out of this kind of relationship. And I want you to, this is what I'm going to talk about today. The two things that come out of this relationship. Number one, we empower people to become who they are called to be without judgment. I want you to put that down in your head, in your heart, or on your paper, or if you're taking notes. We are called in covenant relationship to empower people to become who God called them to be without judgment. No one becomes all that they're called to be overnight. We're on a journey. And I look around this room today, and I've known some of you for many, many years, and you've known me. We've, we've made some mistakes along the way. Come on. We, we could go back and say, oh, that was a uh-oh, And that was a mistake and we shouldn't have done this or we might not have said that or we could have been better this way or I should have made a better judgment call on this. But the fact remains that we're all living in this human skin, this human person that has to deal with life and the only way that we're going to be better is to be in relationship. And that's how we make ourselves become all that God wants us to be, is having people around us who empower us without judgment. And so we're on a journey. And it's so important to be impatient with the process. But we often want to judge people so quickly, even before God judges them. So who does that make you? (laughs) Even before God would judge them, we want to sit in the place of judgment and we want to make a little judgment call on people's life. I'm so thankful that not only God, but there's been people in my life who's walked out my mistakes with me. I remember calling a guy one time, he probably wasn't really in covenant with me, I thought he was. I called him, and I said, hey, man, I'm really struggling, man. I'm going through a very difficult time. His encouraging words were, well, you're probably not a pastor anyway, so why don't you resign and go find something else to do? Well, hang that phone up. Let me try to dial somebody else up. Let me dial somebody else up. That was not an encouraging word for that moment. That was not an encouraging word for that moment. God was in the middle of developing me. I needed that friend at that moment to help me to understand how to navigate through the place I was at. And instead, he said, why don't you quit? Listen, let's don't encourage people to quit. Let's encourage people to press on. That God has a plan for your life. And because you hit a bump in the road doesn't mean your life is over. Doesn't mean, because you have a curveball, doesn't mean that you're discredited from doing what God's called you to do. Let's encourage one another. Hey, listen, this is only for a season in your life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming to your life tomorrow. I was thinking about my good friend this morning. Jeff, he's laid in the hospital bed, and he's been praying for this grandbaby of his, and he's been fasting. And I keep telling him, Jeff, this is not a season in your life to fast. Why, why? Well, pastor, you're telling people not to fast? Yeah, because you've had E. coli, and you had C. diff, and your body's not strength enough to fast. And then as I was telling him that, then I said, this is the time that you call your friends, and you say, I need you to fast for me. I need you to Pray for me. There comes a time in life that somebody has to come along beside you when you can't raise your hands any longer and they have to hold your hands up until the battle is won. That's called covenant relationship. And it's needed in our lives because there's going to be a day in your life when your hands are going to fall to the side. There's going to be a day in your life and you're going to feel like I can't go on. If you're in covenant relationship and you've held somebody else's hands up, guess what? That is probably those people who come alongside you in that situation and they're going to hold your hands up. Are you with me this morning? It's called covenant relationship. In First Thessalonians it says this, I appeal to you, my dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Be skillful and gentle to encourage those who feel themselves inadequate. I got a dry mouth this morning. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone, not with the ones that are easy to be patient with. Be quick to extend patience to everyone. Everyone everyone Matthew 7 says this refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others and judgment will not be passed on you for you'll be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others the measurement you use on them will be used on you why would you focus on the flaws of someone else's life And yet fail to notice the glaring flaw in your own. How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friends. I want you to pay attention here. It doesn't say there's not a time to deal with the blind spots of your friend. My daddy would say it like this. Son, sweep around your own front porch before you go sweep around somebody else's. Take care of your own life before you go take care of someone else's. Why do we need to do that? We need to be always constant about looking at ourselves and judging ourselves appropriately, not misjudging ourselves. I don't mean harshly judging ourselves. I should say this, evaluating ourselves so that we stay right before God and we work toward, in our heart, serving him in right manner. It seems it's so easy to say, well, Matthew, I see something wrong with you. Uh, John Doe, I see something wrong with you. Sally, you need to watch this. Or Sue, you need to do this without taking the time to step back And say, hey, how can I look at my own life? Now, here's what I know about people who look at their own life. People who are willing to look at their own life partner well with people who help them look at their life. People who always look at everybody else's life lets nobody speak into their life. Well, say amen anyway. This will only bring arrogance and foolish pride and bring division. It goes against everything that's the heart of God. Come on, if you're here today and God's been good to you, and God has not judged you in times when you was expecting God to judge you because of something, you know, David said, because of my sin, they walk on the other side of the road to avoid me. It ain't their fault, it's my fault. And there's been times when you were expecting God to judge you, and instead, he lovingly corrected you. How many know that's different? And you felt the love of God in the middle of your situation. But yet you turn around and judge someone else so quickly. So quickly. There's times that we need to make sure that we're loving people the way we are to love people. Let me read that Matthew 7 from a different translation. Oh, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a log in your own eye. <laughs> you're walking around with a big old beam in your eye. It's pretty obnoxious. I try to figure out a way to put glasses on and make something stay out here like this. It's pretty obnoxious, this beam in your eye. But while you got a beam in your eye, you're over here worried about the speck in somebody else's eye. Why you're judging this person and that person? You haven't taken, considered the speck in your own eye. Let's, let's take a moment to look at ourselves. Somebody asked me one time, said, Pastor, I don't know how you have so much mercy for people. I said, well, let me explain to you. It's real easy to explain. I need a lot of mercy. And every day I get up. And I say, Lord, I need your grace and your mercy today. And for me to have and obtain the grace and mercy that I need, i got to be pouring out the mercy on others that they need. Can I get a better amen today? Can I get a better amen today? When I walk around with a beam in my own eye, and I'm so critical of everybody else, I I look like a, a, a foolish, selfish, prideful individual. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I read my Bible every day. I pray every morning. You know, you can read your Bible and pray every morning, but if you go around judging... If you read the scripture so you can slap somebody up the side of the head with it while you haven't washed your own self with it, you just got a beam in your eye. Let me just go ahead and preach this morning. Let me tell you about social media. Social media. Social media. People get on social media and just judge everybody in the world with it. It's become a platform For people that are gutless to say what they couldn't say to somebody's face. I got some amens on that. You're a coward, but you're going to put it on social media. Most of those people got a beam in their eye. say amen to that because it's the truth it's a yay and amen I, 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 I wish we could have some grace for people I wish we could have some love for people I wish we were so quick to give mercy instead of judgment I wish we were quick to love people instead of finding out what we could not love about them I think it's more important to find what unites us than what divides us And the way you show the way you get to show honor is to love people you disagree with. Bless God, they don't believe like me. By God, they're going to hell, and uh, that's just the way it is. I'm right; they're wrong. My dad, you know, he's he's 83 years old. Yesterday, we were talking. And I was talking about you know dad we're so quick we've been so quick to judge people when it comes to ministry more so than the world judge people I remember a day that my my dad this is my dad's illustration there was a day in my life that I I was so religious that I wouldn't even let you kids turn on a TV in a motel room, and now I got one in every room in my house. (laughs) Now, let me say this. We went on to say that there was probably some benefit in not having a TV in our life when we were kids. But the attitude was judgmental. And so you can be doing the right thing with the wrong attitude and get a judgmental result. How many know you can be right, 100% right and 1,000% wrong at the same time? Because it's your attitude. It's your attitude. It's that judgmental spirit. It's not it's like, oh, brother, I see something broken in your life, so let me help you to become all that God wants you to be. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Number two, when we're in a right relationship, we can confront one another in love so that we can live out our life that we have been called to. How many of you knows there's a time in our life that we get to confront some people in life? Amen. I'm gonna tell on Tony this morning. He'll forgive me. Years ago Tony called me. He was I'll never forget. I was driving down the interstate. And Tony called me and he said, Pastor, I wanted to let you know, because I want to be accountable that I did something last week, and I, I think he had moved somewhere. Did, I don't remember what it was, but he did something. I don't remember the story, but he did something. He said, I wanted to be accountable to you and let you know what I did. I said, Tony, that's not accountability. That's confession. you already done it. I said, I love you, but we're not Catholic. You don't need to confess to me. That's, that's, that's confession. That's not accountability. But you know, I didn't say to Tony, look, don't call me again. Don't talk to me ever again because, because you're not accountable. But I was able to confront. Why? Because, you know, we have relationship. So many times people want to confront somebody when they have no equity. No relationship. They just want to clean somebody's clock. <laughs> Can I get a better, man? <laughs> See, when you have relationship that's in covenant, you got equity. You, you, got, you got something invested. You've been there with them on the mountaintop and in the valley. You've been there on the good days and the bad days. You didn't abandon them when they were in trouble. And so you have, you have a place to communicate some things into their life, and it's okay to confront your brother or sister. There's a right way and a wrong way to confront. There's the, the, we first remember love does not look or rejoice in wrongdoing, but love covers a multitude of sin. Now, when we talk about love covering a multitude of sin, we're not talking about love raises up the 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 uh, the rug and sweeps wrong underneath the rug. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the kind of covering we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of love that says, "Look, I'm going to call this out and then I'm going to walk it out." Are you with me this morning? I'm going to call it out, but I'm going to also walk it out. I'm not just going to point my finger at you and say, "Hey, you're wrong." I'm going to say, "Hey, listen." I want to help you in this place where evidently you have a shortcoming. I want to walk this out with you. Are you with me this morning? There's a right way and a wrong way. And at the same standard, if we, you know, let, let me back up. If you have already told the whole world what you think about is wrong in somebody's life and you're coming only to judge them, that's not love at all. And by the same standard, if you refuse to love someone enough that you won't help them see their blind spots, that's not love at all. I think I may have shared this with you, but I want to share it with you again. I walked into church a couple weeks ago. April, my partner in crime over here, said, hey. And when she said, hey, I knew I was in trouble. There's a certain kind of hey she has hey I said what you get on me when I don't return your text or calls but I text you three times this week and you did not respond I said April you so told me something you didn't ask me anything there was no. she said you give me a thumbs up a smiley face or something let me know you got that text Now, if some turkey on the street would have called me out like that, I'd be like, dude, what you telling me that for? I got relationship, and I have a standard. If I text you or call, you call me back, and I wasn't living by my own standard. How many know you got called out? Now, that was right before church, just before I preached. You could have picked a better time. But how many know that if you're in relationship? Listen, listen, there's a lot of people that that I'm in relationship with, but not everybody has equity. Because there's some people that won't come pull the ox out of the ditch when you're in need. They won't show up in your time of need. But we're called to pull together. Are y'all with me this morning? And so because you love somebody... And you care about them, you will confront them in a godly manner, and you will say, "Hey, now, April, did say, look, I ain't calling you no more. I ain't text. She just start threatening me. I ain't doing all that. I ain't gonna love you no more. You ain't coming to my house to dinner no more. I'm, I'm not coming to church no more. I love that one. You hurt my feelings. I'm not coming to church no more. Well, you're not coming for me anyway, so I don't know. Anyway, that's the side of the point." <laughs> Lord, help me, I strayed. (laughs) But I'm going to confront this in godly love. I'm going to listen. Luke 17. Let me give you some scripture for this. One day, Jesus was teaching his disciples this. He said, I don't know if I'm going to read all this. He said, Betrayals and stuff will come in your life, guilt will come, this will come, all this will happen. But he goes on to say, it would be better for you to have tied a big old rock around your neck than to come against my children. It would be better that you would tie a rock around your neck than to speak evil of my children. That's a pretty strong statement. It would be better that you would go jump off a bridge then you would look across the room and say, well, now, you know, that girl over It's something. When he was talking about this, he was talking about the family of God. He said, so be alert of your brother's condition. If you see them going the wrong direction, cry out to correct him. And if there's true repentance on his part, forgive him. No matter how many times, this is where I want to preach a little bit, in one day, everybody say one day, day. your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry. No matter how many times in one day, no matter how many times in one day, have you ever asked yourself the question, or maybe looked at someone and asked them the question, how many times do I have to forgive you? (laughs) How many have ever thought that or said that? Okay, we'll have a little truth moment right here. How many taught ever said that or thought that? Some of y'all need to raise both of your hands. How many times I got to say it? How many times do I got to forgive you? How many times do I have to deal with this? And then Jesus says, in one day. In, in one day. Not in a year. not in a, Not in a decade. In, in one day. That hurts my heart. One day. If your brother says against you, just and says, I'm sorry, then forgive him. Forgive him. Over and over and over again. You know why? It goes back to what I said at the beginning. He may or she may be in the process of a journey. Are you with me this morning? He may, he or she may be in the process. And they're learning, they're adapting. Now, there's a, there's a catch in here, and, and I've told many people this. Listen, if you tell me the truth, I'll walk out life with you, no matter what your mess-up is or hang-up is. But truth is the basis of relationship. Don't lie to me. Don't pretend, don't, don't try to deceive me. But if you come to me and say, listen, I'm struggling with this in my life. And I'm really sorry that I messed it up again today. But I really want to change. Then as in covenant relationship, I continue to walk with you. Until you and God get it worked out. Until you get healed. Until you have breakthrough. Until you see the goodness of God in your life. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand on this, but how many are still struggling with some things you've struggled with a long time and you really have a heart to change? But you, but you don't have anybody walking with you as, like you would like to because you feel like that they have seen you mess up over and over again and they would not forgive you. And so you're walking alone. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pause for a moment here. There's so many people that continue to walk along simply because they feel like that they've messed up so much and they don't forgive themselves and they walk in shame and they walk in guilt and they walk in bitterness and they walk in hurt and they walk in pain. And they never fulfill the promise of God in their life simply because they feel like everybody's judging them because they feel like they should be judged. So we're going to pause right here for a moment. And we're going to ask God to help us forgive ourselves because we all got stuff in our life. We all got mistakes in our life. And Paul said like this, be careful how you judge because without the grace of God, there there you go. And you may have reached your mountaintop and you may have reached your goal in some areas, but I can assure you that when God begins to work in your life, he's going to always come back. And like an onion, he's going to peel back again and you're going to see a new revelation of some things you need to change. That's the grace of God. That's not judgment. That's hope. That's not judgment. That's the goodness of God coming to you and saying, listen, you haven't fully became everything that I want you to be, but I'm going to continue to help you see everything that you are. And so I'm going to peel a little more of the onion back. And oh man, when you peel it back, then you see those things in your life. You, if you've lived in the place of judgment and self-condemnation and hurt, all you're going to do is judge yourself and expect other people to judge you. But then if you're walking in covenant with people, you can say, look what God revealed in my life. I need you to walk with me because I feel like God's doing some changes in my life. I'm going to a new place. I'm going to a higher level. I'm understanding more of who I am. And who God is. Are you with me this morning? And so God begins to reveal. And see, here's the thing about salvation is that we're, oftentimes when we get saved, we stop at the door of salvation and we never fulfill all that God wants us to do. is because we never forgive ourselves for what we've done in our past. But when you're in covenant relationship, it's okay to call it out but then walk it out. And this is how a healthy family walks together. Amen. But it's time for us to find our brothers and sisters and that we get truly, so that we can truly demonstrate what it looks like to love and to be loved. It's not our place to punish. It's not our place to abandon those who fall in order that we might be holy and hate sin. Let me say it one more time. It's not our place to punish. It's not our place to abandon. It's not our place to call out others in order that we might look holy and that we hate sin. You can hate sin without hating people. You can hate what destroys somebody's life without hating the person that it's destroying. And only love and the love of God will help them and help you to see all that God wants them to be and all that he wants you to be. So when you see your brother fallen, when you see your sister fallen, with God's love, with goodness of God, you go down and you pick them up and you carry them for a while until they can understand the goodness of God in your life. I said this a few months ago. I want to say it again. In the shepherd's hook, the shepherd's hook, On the staff, that hook was designed so that it could break the lamb's leg for the sheep that would continue to wander off after being corrected many times. Then the shepherd would come along and break the lamb's leg. We got a lot of people that like to use the hook. They like to break the leg, but they don't like to be the shepherd because then the shepherd picks up the lamb that he broke the leg, and he puts the lamb on his back until the leg heals. And let me tell you what's happening when the leg's healing. There's a bonding going on, and the voice of the shepherd becomes very near to the lamb. And the lamb no longer wants to leave because the lamb has been healed and knows the voice of the shepherd. So if you're going to use the hook, make sure you carry the lamb. If you're going to use the rod of correction, make sure you carry the lamb. Covenant relationship changes lives, it doesn't destroy lives. Can I get a better amen? There's nothing more holy than loving people, and forgiveness is our standard. I want you to say that with me today forgiveness is our standard. We forgive, and we are forgiven. That's our standard in this house. We're not going to judge, we're going to forgive. Now, I I, want to just be clear right here, just so when I say not judge, I want to clarify something. The Scripture tells us to judge one another in the household of faith. So if you say, well, Pastor, the Scripture says this, and I don't have time to preach all that, but that word judgment in judging one another in the household of faith is what I've been preaching about the last few minutes. When we judge, we're judging only to heal, not to condemn. I could go on with that because repentance is necessary, which I just read in the scripture. Now, if a person refuses to repent, they refuse to change their life, they refuse to accept the love of God, there's nothing we can do about that. And there comes a time that they cause destruction or disorder or division in the house that you then you have to deal with that. But I'm gonna tell you something. Those times are very in my pastoring of 23 years. Those times have come very little that I needed to, tell, to set someone in order. Most of the time, I need to love someone into the grace of God that changed their life. Forgiveness is our standard. If there's anyone without sin, let that person be the first one to throw stones. Matthew said, is there st- the story of the king? He tells in Matthew about the, the, the servant owed him a large debt, and he forgave the servant servant fell on his face and said, please, king, forgive me of my debt. And then the servant went out, and he found the one that owed him a debt. And he took him by the throat and began to choke him. And then he had him thrown in prison and jail. And then Matthew 18 picks up there, and the king said to him, you scoundrel. Is this the way you respond to my mercy because you begged me? If I forgive you of the mass debt that you owe me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? And in fury and anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In the same way, our heavenly father would deal with any of you if you don't release release forgiveness from your heart toward your other fellow believers. Somebody say that's a strong word. If we want God to forgive us, if we want people to forgive us, let's don't take other people by the throat. Let's don't hold other people charged for the mistakes they've made. But let's say, hey, we're going to forgive them because we embrace forgiveness in our life. Heather, you can come. We have been forgiven much, therefore we should forgive much. It's, it's our responsibility to restore and to love them. It's our responsibility to call and to hate the sinful ways of this world, but love the person. And We can hate sin knowing that it brings forth death and destruction, but we're called to love and restore people, especially those in the household of faith. And I end with this tonight, today. I've heard people march a guy that come off the streets, maybe a, had a wrecked life and had all kinds of devastation in their life, and they come to know Jesus, and they have a great testimony. And we'll bring them up on stage, and we'll, get, we'll video them, and we'll tell their testimony. But let one in the household of faith stumble and fall. Let one in the household of faith mess up. And we have little patience and little kindness and little words to say to them. And I tell this story because I, I, don't, I don't want your sympathy. I don't want you to feel sorry for me because God's been good to me. It's been good to me. But I'll never forget the day that I was in a deep, deep, deep trouble. Strung out on Drugs. Had some encounters with the law. I was in a desperate situation. And I was afraid. I was fearful. And I walked to the doors of the church that I grew up in most of my life. And an usher met me at the door. And he said, What are you doing here? And I thought, What do you mean, what am I doing here? I'm coming to church. Now, my track record was this. I'd been there a bunch of times. I'd walked in church, and when I got nervous, I got scared, or I got afraid, or I thought I was going to die because of the drugs and stuff in my life, or I thought the cops were coming to get me. And maybe my purpose in coming to church because I was just scared, and I was was running. I had a track record. I had a track record of showing up and then not showing up coming to church and going to the altar and oh god and then gone i had a track record i had a track record but if i would listened to some of those that were in the household of faith i would have never came back to church you know my friends in the bar they never asked me what i was doing there When I was gone for a little while and come back, they'd be, hey, dude, what's up? It's a bad day when the church, the world's more inviting than the house of God. But one day I came into church, and John had hair down the middle of my back. I weighed 140 pounds. My eyes were sunk back in my head. I looked like a skeleton with skin wrapped around it. I had not eaten and probably really food in over a year. I drank was my diet. Speed was my drug of choice, so I ran 24-7. I was strung out. I was broken. I sit in the back corner of the church because I didn't feel accepted there, but I needed God in my life. But this time was different. This time I'd had a prayer meeting in Chicago, Illinois. And I told God, if you'll get me home, I'll serve you the rest of my days. If you'll get me home, this scare, this this event, this time when I woke up, I was serious with God. And had I allowed the voices of some in the church, not all, small, little group, not all the church. But if I allowed the voices in the church to be what I heard the loudest. I would not have come to church. Thank God I could hear the voice of God that was calling me. And I walked into the house of the Lord and this time was different. I'm telling you to say this. Don't ever judge those who circle in and out the door. Because it might be the time that they walk in the church. It's going to be the time that God connects with them. They might be pastoring a church some 33 years later. When you parked your car out there in the parking lot of this church or any other church, as far as that is concerned, when you parked your car anywhere, we are the church, so we don't just come to church. Let's hang up our sharp sword of judgment and let's pull out our umbrella of love. And let's find a safe place for people to come to that they can say, listen, I know I can talk to them because they're not going to judge me, but they're going to love me. And they're going to they're help me, and they're going to walk with me through my difficulties. Because the love of God don't just flow to them, it flows through them. It flows through them. Hang up your offenses. Quit looking at John Doe's track record. Start looking at the grace of God on your life. And you'll love people the way that God loves you. Especially those that are in the household of faith. Especially those that rub you the wrong way. Come on, those that irritate you. You got anybody that irritates you? Come on, be honest. You got some people that just, just, where's Lisa at? Lisa tells me all the time when she sees me, I just want to punch you. (laughs) I don't know what it is about me that irritates her, but it just irritates her. But I love you, Lisa, even when you punch me. Come on, some people just get on your nerves. You know what? God probably sent them to make a pearl out of you. Let them rub on you a little bit, and you're going to come out and be what God created you to be embrace people in your life. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand.